everyone. Welcome to Inside Sports Dead in Goal podcast. Uh, as we are heading to week two of the NRL's uh, semi-finals, uh, my name is James Smith, and I'm joined by Inside Sport teammates Jeff Centenera. How are you, James? I'm lovely, mate. All good. And uh, Anthony Brand, how are you going, mate? Good, mate. Good. Keeping it, keeping it real up here in Queensland. <laughs> That's right. Just hope it doesn't get too real up there at around about this time tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we survived week one. Somehow we survived week one, and uh, this, this week's just going to be um, a lot better crowd-wise, um, you'd think. Like last week, Sydney just got absolutely hammered, so hopefully the, uh, the Eels and the Cowboys and can... rightfully so. Yeah, I mean... I would... <laughs> That, that that was the ultimate proof that Sydney siders are lazy and just don't go to the footy. I bet you're having a ball up there, Anthony, with uh, with your Brisbane um, rugby league fans putting shit on us down here. Yeah. Well, I think there's a big difference, though, mate, isn't there? With a one-team town with a with a population of near on two million people um, compared to down there. But in saying that, it is disappointing. Um, you'd think, especially for that Manly Penrith game, that there should have been more people there. Um, and, and you know, the AFL are having a field day, bagging us out. Plenty written about it, which is a real shame. Um, but, yeah, TV audiences were, were, were very healthy. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, it would have been great to see more fans there, mate. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so um, this week we're going to, um, you know, have our say on the whole ref's fault um, uh, issue. And But, but we're going to do something really really out of the ordinary as far as that goes. We're going, we're going to actually try and highlight the, uh, the good things that were done on the field. Um, yeah, there wasn't, many co- wasn't much coverage of the actual brilliant athleticism and, and skill shown across the four games, so we're going to uh, cover that um, in our weird way. Um, going to have a look at our hero and zero of the past week um, and preview the finals, preview the week two of the finals, and uh, as well as have a look at our World Cup countdown and um, the, the Twitter question that we posted out there. We got some great responses this week. And, uh, and then finally, we'll, we'll end with a, a look at our, our um, October edition, which is on sale uh, Thursday. So let's just hit the, hit the newsstands. Um, so we'll, we'll kick it off. Um, ref's fault was actually... It actually turned into a thing, didn't it? It was hashtag ref's fault. Mm-hmm. And it was actually... It, it, was, it was made into a, like a proper... Um, a, a subject that just grew as uh, last weekend went on. Um, Jeff, what do you reckon? Did it prove that that damaging in the end? Do you think? Or? Well, I think it was just a great kind of you know, you know, missed opportunity. I mean, I think this if this weekend kind of uh, kind of uh, confirmed anything in my mind, it, it's that finals are what the NRL does really, really well. Yeah. I mean, you know, to to drag it back to that uh, that zone of. You know, kind of comparing it to the AFL and the AFL's crowds and and so on and so forth. You know, it, you know, AFL fans kind of fell all over themselves with the the result of that uh, you know West Coast Port Adelaide game because that was very close. Well, that's pretty much every rugby league final. I, yeah. I, t- I tend to watch it, apart from the odd one that does does uh, come a blowout. So we had these four kind of riveting games, like riveting in their own way, in their own particular way too. And you know, after kind of you know, just this kind of tremendous ride that you know the, the fan gets taken on yeah. know, through through the weekend, yeah, come Monday, are we talking about it at all? No, no. we're not, because you know the agenda is being completely set by kind of you know 
you know, Shane Flanagan and his list, his laundry list of, of items that he brings to his to his press conference. Mm. So, you know that you know, talk about it all you want. I mean, you know, I mean, particularly if you kind of gain value about kind of bitching about officiating, but. Um, yeah, I don't think it does. I don't think it does the game any favours. No, no. And what was your take, Anthony? Like, particularly Todd Greenberg's um, response to it all. He gained he gained a lot of praise for for how he came out in the front foot. A lot of, lot of praise for his leadership through the through the week, hasn't he? Definitely. And you know, I think Jeff made a lot. You, you made a lot of great points there, mate. I mean, the games are so close. I mean, you're right. Look at the AFL. They've got the crowds, but the is the product is great. I mean. So many close games over the weekend uh, really could have gone either way. Um, and I think that's the thing that we should be talking about. Um, yes, there were um, some dubious decisions, but there always is. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing. I mean, it goes both ways, doesn't it? I mean, the poor old Cowboys for a couple of years running uh, and, and one time against um, the Sharks. Were, the, the Sharks were awarded a seventh tackle set and scored off it and won the match. Um you know, and Flanagan during that press conference of that match um, just said, "Well, these things happen, don't they?" It's a bit different <laughs> when things go against him. Um, and, and and same with Manly. I mean, um, look look back a couple of years when Kieran Foran scored that try when he knocked it on, and and we were at that out. game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we're, were actually we we're actually sitting almost kind of James and I were sitting right in line yeah. along the line <laughs> uh, along the Manly the line of Manly's attackers. Yeah, as that happened. Well, there you go. I mean, and you guys were there. Um, it's, um, and I think that's the sort of stuff that, that, that isn't raised, you know, um, when really it, it's the rub of the green sometimes and it happens. But I think as far as results go, there are, there's no side that, that won over the weekend that shouldn't have won. If you look at the stats, you look at the, um, the momentum, um, every team that won deserved to win and were the better team on the day. So yeah. um, we need to be talking about. And, uh, gee, what a weekend ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Let, 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 let's um, touch on what you just said, Anthony. Um, the Roosters did win, but geez, they nearly didn't, did they? Like that, that and, and you and you referred to the action um, um, like across the weekend. That Broncos game, they nearly they nearly got there. That, that's so for a team that did dominate throughout the whole game. The Broncos showed so much resilience, and they did fumble their way through the first half, but they 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 nearly bloody won the thing, didn't they? They did absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're a bit of a dark horse, the Broncos. Um, excited for this week, geez, it's the best time of the year. Yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, so what? I, was, I thought that game was a weird game, like because yeah. I thought I was saying to you yesterday, it was a it was a terrific uh, match to watch, you know, because it's just the, the ebb and flow, the momentum, but it it really was two teams that were kind of showing serious flaws, like serious deficiencies, and you know, it was. Which deficiency was going to catch up <laughs> to yeah. that to that side first? So, like, like, but contrast. I mean, you were asking me before, James. Yeah. Kind of the the, the take. My te- my big takeaway game from the weekend was uh, was Melbourne versus Parramatta, yep. which I thought you know there was a terrific contest in which uh, Parra pr- pretty much you know executed that first half almost perfectly. What they would have to what they needed to do to you know possibly steal that one, but um, the way kind of Melbourne came back in that second half and the resilience they showed. It almost was like it's one of those games where both sides could take away something from it. Like Para probably gets a lot of belief out of that performance, whereas at the same time Melbourne, you know, it was just kind of validation again of their resilience. And mm. you know, 
it could be like that's like the one kind of slip we've had, and now we're just going to roll, you know, through the through the rest of this postseason. But um, yeah. yeah, that was that was kind of the thing that stood out to me. And what about you, Anthony? As far as para goes, like, are they the, the real deal as as far as you're concerned, mate? I think so. I think they they jumped out to a really healthy lead. Um, and for such a young side, I mean, you look at who they were up against. I mean, this this bodes really well for them in the future. But I guess. They haven't been in this position for a long time. They haven't won a premiership in 31 years. Um, can Do they have the side to do it? I think they do, and they showed enough in that game um, that they are premiership contenders. Um, I, I think they deserve to be second favourite. I, I actually have them above the Roosters at the moment after that game. I think mm. uh, uh, Parramatta really do have um, have what it takes, and um, I think um, any team coming up against them in the next couple of weeks is going to be looking over their shoulder for sure. They just played tough footy. Um, and really took it to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the next game was um, Manly and Penrith. And, and being a Penrith fan, the biggest thing about that game was their defence. They really shut up shop after being annihilated by Manly the week before. They were really good on their line, and they let nothing through. When when they looked quite flimsy at times, there was just that, that last extra effort, and that's probably going to be the thing that uh, impresses the coach the most about that Penrith performance. Yep. They're a different side. I mean, being a Manly supporter, um, I mean, you and I have joked about it, you know, yeah. the, just the week before, Manly was so dominant, um, and it was a different side that they were facing. Penrith really were really committed in every facet of the game, and, um, you know, as, as, as much as it pains me to say it, um, Penrith were deserved winners. Um, that try was a try from Peachy. Yeah. I've got no issue with that. Um, and I think they deserve the win. Um, they're going to really take it to Brisbane this weekend. I tell you what, they get a lot of confidence out of downing Manly like that in convincing fashion. Did you think it was a try, James? Um, I, I thought by the rules it was. Um, so, so you what, like the rule? I love the rule now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he loves the rule. But, but, but <laughs> what, what's what's the rule? There has to be enough evidence to overturn the uh, on-field decision. If the score was gone, had gone the other way, I'm pretty sure he would have walked into a press conference with a piece of paper that said, complain about peachy try, you know, like it's a, or complain about peachy non-try. It's like. <laughs> a funny thing, though, isn't it? It just doesn't feel right as a try to, uh, to score a try in that way uh, mm. without any control. But to the letter of the law, that's, that's how it was. The, only, the, the only thing I'll defend it with was when I was watching it at the ground... Um, I just I was looking at his body language. If he had to touch that ball, he might have you know had made a movement to to remove his hand away from from the ball. But he just kept running in a smooth motion, which biased as, as I am, it made me think that he didn't touch it, mm-hmm. that he was yeah. still trying to touch it. Yeah, I don't know if I can get away with that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. And then there was that magnificent Cowboys effort. Wow, like you can't. You can't um, um, like doubt a, a Northern Queenslander after that, can you, Jeff? That was just a brilliant balls to the wall, hang on effort, wasn't it? I've been watching for uh, yeah, a bit of that phenomenon where you lose your star and kind of everyone lifts. And you know, I think we're seeing that a bit from the Cowboys. I'm not going to suggest for a second that they're better without JT, <laughs> um, but uh, it has been interesting. Uh, you know, Michael Morgan is a is a player I'm I'm quite interested in. I think he's a fantastic talent, oh. and I think that um, you know, kind of Thurston's absence has just given him you know that bit of space, that bit of oxygen, just to kind of show you know how, how really how, how good he, he uh, how good he can be. Yeah, and um, what about the way Anthony Thurston has 
come out and publicly backed and privately backed, no doubt, uh, Morgan and said this is this is his team, his to to leave it for, to lead it forward. Like it's a lot different to a lot of other situations. Hey, like with a jaded old veteran is on his way out and he's clinging yep. to, to the water, to, you know, to, on, on his last legs. JT said, "This is your team, mate. You, you go ahead and, and and do it." Yeah, that's a great point, James, um, and, it, and it just typifies the kind of guy JT is. He travels with the team. He's with them. He preps them. Um, he's in the coach's box giving advice. He's really involved in this. And I just want to draw a, a parallel to Darius Boyd's uh, body language before the Roosters match, before it even kicked off. There was uh, some footage in the change rooms, and Boyd's sitting there almost sulking. He's not talking to any of the – this is before kickoff. Yeah. Obviously, Darius Boyd's injured, missed the match. He's not even talking to his players. He's not talking to anyone. Um, he's not he's not geeing anyone up, um, and uh, you know I think as a result they they didn't play that well. He's sitting in the corner sulking. Look at JT. He's he's doing a great thing to uh to, to ready his side and to go out there without him, um, but instilling confidence. Say I'm not here, guys, but but it's going to be okay. Good point. Like if you were Darius, you'd be in Nikarima's ear. You'd be in Ben Hunt Hunt's yep. face. Uh, Milford just giving him all the encouragement in the world, especially in a final that you're the underdog in, like, yeah. And he was sulking. So, I don't know if that's that's about Darius, if he's not much of a talker before a match anyway. But that just really, before kick-off, I said, they're in trouble here. Um, I mean, I don't know Darius Boyd. I don't know what his style is. But you'd think at some point he'd be engaging with his players, at least conversing subtly with them to say, I'm not saying he had to G them up and fire them up. That's not his style. But just just to... sort of give him a little bit of confidence heading in. His body language was terrible. He, he looked like a, a little boy in the corner that had been spanked by his father. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> and, and what did we learn about Cronulla over the weekend, Jeff? Like, they, that was pretty much... I learned that the refs are against them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the refs hate them. They, yeah. Oh, man, that, that Maloney sin binning, that just, that just made all 11,000 of them just erupt. That was... It's an amazing sight. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they didn't really get going, did they? They didn't get out of second or third gear all year. Paul Gallon said it through the week. You can blame the refs, but we just didn't get going throughout the whole year. They, um, they, they, just, they found out how tough it is to win back-to-back, didn't they, Jeff? Uh, they did. Um, yeah, you know, that kind of side. I actually was kind of impressed with them this year. I thought they kind of, like, kind of were, were grinding along, kind of putting, keeping themselves around the mark, putting then. Uh, what, what could have ultimately uh, been putting themselves, you know, in the position to, to make a run? Yeah. You know, I, just kind of my dominant takeaway, my big impression from that match was kind of looking at the way extra time works. Kind of the final, I think it's infinitely better than kind of than Golden Point, like this this sudden death uh, type scenario. But yeah, I, I do wonder, yeah, um, if it's kind of the best way. To, to resolve a match I think you know ultimately yeah I mean North Queensland I'm, I'm not trying to cheapen kind of yeah North, North Queensland's victory kind of in any way um, yeah I, you know it, it's some there's some no small irony to me that uh, it, it get the sense that the way kind of extra times are, are being resolved these days to a degree is, is um, which side it's not so much which side kind of makes a, you know kind of a positive play, but which side kind of makes makes an error. And you know, uh, as I was going to say, there's no small irony to me that that game pretty much ends on you know, on Fafita making kind of make a, making a bad one. 
in yeah admittedly you, you have to kind of push in that situation but um yeah uh certainly was exciting yeah yeah and that game just to me like going back to the whole fan thing as well it was a really interesting study into how fans handle disappointment like <laughs> they, they they were they were looking for some some outlet for their um heartbreak and um Jeez, I find um, footy fans fascinating. You, you think and, and and you can see why because so much emotional energy is invested in in people's footy teams all year, and to be told that it's over, no more, that does bring out the the five and six year old in you, doesn't it? Sometimes, Anthony, it's just no. see, you, it certainly you, brings out the five and six year old in James. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing there is, like you said, I mean, the, the fans, we are the game, but you got to turn up, and they weren't there. This time last year at that game, there would have been a lot more Cronulla supporters. It's funny what a, winning a premiership can do. They didn't... They, there w- it wasn't a big crowd. I mean, obviously, there was a lot more compared to the little Cowboys contingent that were there. But, but okay, get upset, but why don't you turn out for your team, first of all? Um, this time last year, they were on the cusp, really, of, of going on a charge to get that maiden premiership. I mean... Those fans that are complaining should have been there to, to barrack them on. Those extra screams and yells and pats on the back may have may have proved the difference in a close game when it's only one point like that. That's oh, um, true. Maybe they've got something to answer for themselves. No, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and I just I just get the feeling that somewhere out there, um, there's a lot of uh, brand new South Sydney jerseys and Cronulla jerseys just hanging up in in wardrobes, not being Here used. Go. Here we go. <laughs> What's that, mate? Fairweather fans. That's right. Yeah, they 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 go to Rebel Sport and they buy their oh. um their, their retro jerseys and make them look like they've been supporters yeah, since 1974. To, don't have to worry. They're all going to be displaced by all the Eels fans coming out of the woodwork over the next fortnight. Oh. You, yeah, just wait. <laughs> that's, that's right. You need. Yeah, you would have liked to have got the the, the contract to to print Eels jerseys. Hey, yeah. like. <laughs> as an issue, I want to canvas uh, just you know kind of for, for the table uh, today. Yep. Yeah, in particular, I guess it goes. You know, it goes back to this kind of hashtag ref's fault kind of a uh, notion. Yeah. I, what are our thoughts? Because uh, I want to kind of put this out there. That there, I find league in, in general is a sport that really kind of dwells, kind of tends to dwell on on, on on ref decisions. I think the game is a very hard game to ref, and and because of that, you know, officials come in for really, really, and you know, kind of harsh kind of scrutiny. Like you know, in, in other sports which are difficult to ref, you might have a whole lot of decisions in the match. So any one like decision, you know, might not be the thing that decisively turns it. But I find that in league, you know, the ref, the, the guy who blows the whistle, does have a lot of power over the game. And because these games are close, as we as we discussed, kind of as our overarching theme of the of the weekend, I think that's what kind of really squeezes you know the coaches to insanity. The fact that you know, if, you know that. Um, yeah, that if a decision goes against them, it's something that, that they can't quite let go. And you know, to, you know I don't know what, why this got into my head, but over the weekend, I got myself to thinking. You know, if we eventually kind of realise the sci-fi vision of, of, of future football and, and robots hey. are the ones that are refereeing, James knows has heard me discuss this topic. Yeah. Umpteen times over, we get the robots refereeing the rugby league matches. The coach would go into the you know into the press uh, in the press conference afterward and find a reason to complain about the robots. You know, I mean, it, it would always be the same. Like you know, I, I just think that um, 
Yeah, the dynamic of the game is such that it's yeah, that in, in almost inevitably we're gonna we're gonna end up with this unless we have games that are perfectly refereed, which mm. you know that's just so rare. You're just not gonna get that with any regularity. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, Jeff. Um, I guess it goes back to um, you know human error, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, if you are there being able to um, adjudicate properly, um, emotion does come into it. I mean, they refs feel emotion as well, um, and they're under so much pressure. Can you imagine? Um, the Twitter feeds of these guys just getting on Facebook or whatever after a match. I mean, they really cop it, and you're dead right, Jeff. It's so hard to adjudicate uh, well. Uh, in saying that, though, they do have a lot of technology at their disposal that sometimes probably could be used a little bit better. I think forward passes should be able to be ruled on, strips, knock-ons, those sorts of things. Um, but you're right. I mean, do we want robots out there? No, we don't, because it's not a perfect game, and, um, and, and you know... Sure as hell, no no person's perfect, so it's it's really hard to to get things right. Um, and we need that human element, don't we? What would it be like? With, with robots? I, I when I when the robot ref comes in, you know, the first thing they're going to see, and it's going to be fantastic, <coughs> is that everyone is going to be offside on every play because they'll all be violating the ten, and the, ro- <laughs> and the and the robot won't tolerate that. And every play of the ball will be the penalty because they won't be you know you know in strict accordance with that. And so, you know, everyone's just going to get pissed off with the robot. It's going to be fantastic. I, I just can't wait. That's right. That's exactly right. These robots are ruining the game. They're, uh, they're, they're pulling up everything. Uh, you, know, you know what the NRL should do? They um, should get the details of all the salty Twitter um, people out there, everyone who complained about their team losing because of the refs. They should get their details and send them out an um, information form, something to fill out and ask them, if we're doing a bad job, why don't you join the referee ranks? We need you. Because the referees that are uh, controlling matches now, they're the best. Mm. There isn't... I've, I've, I've spoken to Jeff about this. There isn't a, a hidden batch hidden out the back of Wagga or whatever. Like, that, 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 <laughs> There's a, a progression... Um, there's a pathway put in place so that the cream gets to the top and we've got the best refs there are. So there's not a lot we can do about it as far as... That goes. And how much does um does does job protection come into it for these coaches? I mean, it's uh, oh entirely. I mean, they walk in. I mean, that list that Flanagan produced. I mean, the Cowboys had a few things go against them too. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest here. Um, and I think the refs did a pretty good job evening that up. Not that they ever admit it, but does it does a ref when he gets a wrong call um, and play keeps going on? Does he get a call from the bunker? Hey mate, you missed that one. Are there, is there evening up later on during matches? Not that I'd ever admit it, but there was a couple of instances where you've just gone, yeah, that, that's evening up. The Cowboys have done something there. The refs let it go. Maybe that's evening up. Um, interesting. I don't know. Flanagan made the statement during the week that he did it because he felt the need to stand up for his players and his club and the people employed at his club and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the fans who support it. You know, my sense of it is I'll, I'll never believe kind of in the credibility of, of a coach, and not just him, but any coach who does that until the day happens that someone comes in with a laundry list after his team has won and said we shouldn't have won that game because the referee yeah. made these decisions against the other side. Once, they, once a coach does that, I will believe in the credibility of his officiating critiques. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Because yeah, I, I, I'm going to wait for the day that you know a victorious coach complains about officiating. I, I don't think that one's, that's one we're going to see anytime soon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a cutthroat industry. Um, these coaches have got to save their save face for the fans and be seen to um, 
I guess, standing up for their team and their players. Trent Barrett made the point, you know, I want the refs to walk in there to the dressing shed, sheds and um, explain to my players what happened. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, if, if Manly were better, they would have won. And that's, that's it. They weren't the better team on the day. Cronulla looked really good for a lot of that game, but they threw it away at the end. They've got no one else to blame but themselves. And it was interesting, James Maloney came out and said as much uh, today, uh, actually. He said, you can't blame, blame the refs for, for losing. We didn't we didn't play like we, we were going to win, and, and that's it. And what sort of message does that send to your players exactly. uh, to hold them accountable for, for their performances? Um, if Trent Barrow was to walk in there and, and, and being honest and said, okay, well, that call was 50-50 call, but guess what, guys? You didn't put yourself in the zone. You're going to work your ass off in the preseason because uh, we're going to go better next year, fire up and use it to your advantage. And, you know, you weren't good enough, guys. So deal with that. In the, uh, I think it's the, think I, about I agree with you, Anthony. I think that's the absolute worst mentality a coach could kind of instill in his, in his playing group to think that, you know, like to, to have a victim mentality of, you know, the, offici- yeah. the officials are out, you know, to get you. My, you know, I would think the complete opposite mentality is what you'd want to instill in them, which is to say, you know, even if you get all the decisions, you know, against your way today, here, well, you know, go out and outplay the decisions. Like, you know, you'll have to outplay the, the opponent by double maybe to win today. And I want you to do that. That's what I want you to because invariably you're going to have to come, you're going to have games like this in your career. And if you want to get a win on that day, you're just going to have to go over and above. So, yeah, yeah but, uh, it's not my job on the line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bad look for the kids too out there, isn't it? Like when oh, they see the Helen, the Helen Lovejoy argument. <laughs> what? Please think about the children. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you see like someone in, in the ref's face while he's going to the um, to the bunker, and, he's, and there's a player screaming in, in a referee's face, that just says to kids, oh, "I'm going to try that." And, you know, next time there's a knock on, or next time I'm, I'm disallowed to try. Like. It's a, it's a good point, James. My nephew, uh, all of 13 years old, just turned 13, is a referee uh, for Touch uh, Rugby League and Oztag. Um, he referees up to under 18-year-olds. Um, he's actually um, on the mailing list with uh, Bill Harrigan and uh, emails Bill Harrigan after matches to get tips from him on, on what he should do. And oh. Bill Harrigan... And, and my, my nephew, I so want to see these emails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Flynn, Flynn is uh, is a little redheaded kid. He's uh, he's not even five foot tall. He's small for his age. He'd weigh about thirty five kilos. And he and a lot of and he comes from Sydney where he started his, his refereeing down there. And he he um, he referees a lot of Islander kids that are huge. But he stands his ground and he has copped it because he's little. Um, and he's copped it quite a bit. But um, I think that's a great point you make because um, it's it's not something that we should be advocating for um, because it's cultural and these kids look up to their heroes and I wouldn't like to think uh, my nephew who's out there busting his butt for 15 bucks a game is going to get yelled at uh, no one deserves that and and these people a lot of the time are volunteering anyway oh, exactly and the game would be nowhere without them yeah yeah, for sure. Um, oh, good discussion, guys. Um, I just hope he kind of makes it to you know very far in refereeing before the robots replace him. <laughs> you can <laughs> pass pass that along to Matt. <laughs> I'll tell him. <laughs> very good. Um, so our hero and zero of the week, Jeff. Um, you've got a, a very well deserved hero nomination. Yeah, this is very obvious, but. Um, you know, uh, what Latrell Mitchell did on the weekend, I mean, watching this guy for quite a while, mainly because, you know, you know I'm in love with the idea that, you know, the rugby league's next great player might be named Latrell. 
But yeah, like that, you know, we've been hearing about him for a few. We've been hearing about him for a few years, and hearing about him in a way that you don't generally hear about kind of teenage rugby league players. And you know, it hasn't been the smoothest of paths uh, for him. He certainly kind of kind of had some troubles this year. But um, all that talk we were hearing, next Greg Inglis, next Mal Meninga, and so on and so forth, what he did in scoring that try, the way he just absolutely kind of threw James Roberts to the ground and then proceeded to run away from all the guys smaller and supposedly as faster, faster than he was, you know, that was such an eye popper. And that is the kind of highlight that a, a legend in the making does. Like, and I mean, everyone pulled out that English try, you know, and almost kind of like landed up frame for frame almost immediately. That that was hero stuff. Like, you know, to, to use a play on the hero in zero words, but you know, it, it was it was incredible. Coming in at that time, in, in, sorry, in that time of the match, you know, uh, it's it, it, you know, I get the sense that if we are you know going to be writing about the legend of Latrell Mitchell eventually, that is going to be a pivotal moment. Oh, terrific. Did you have any um, nominations, Anthony? That anyone you saw? I totally agree. I was mm. I was thinking the same thing. Um, he was amazing. Um, another one would probably be uh, Jason Tomalolo. I thought he was absolutely sensational uh, against the Sharks. He pretty much carried the Cowboys there. If he's on fire this weekend, uh, look out. Um, and he's going to need to be. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. I think Latrell's got all the attributes to be a. Uh, a fantastic player and they're the moments like you said Jeff these are the hero moments um, the legends of the game um, don't just do it once they do it a lot and and I think this is really the, the start of him growing into himself I mean how old I think he's only 20 years old mm. oh. uh, I mean he's got so much more growing to do he's six foot five I think um, you know he's quick he's agile um, and he's confident he's always had that confidence um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes you're going to tell your Latrell, your Latrell Mitchell story, James? Your Latrell Mitchell non-story? The story <laughs> um, that doesn't go anywhere, you claim? Yeah, yeah. I told a, a story to Jeff that didn't go anywhere. and, and uh, I loved it. I thought it, it was It was fantastic. the best story I've ever told, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a Goolagong. He's from the famous Goolagong uh, line. And, uh, ah. a, and, and this isn't a secret. There was a story about it yeah. on, on the internet somewhere. that He changed his name from Goolagong to Mitchell just to... Um, Avoid the whole. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you know that's no surprise. Look, look what where his family's from. But um, I think, yeah, he's got so much. He, he's starting to hit his straps now, isn't he? Like I was just watching him. He's got he's got that body that yeah. that really strong lower body. Yeah, he's got a big backside and a big uh, upper thighs that just absolutely give him so much power, especially running out of tackles and. He's kind of almost like in the NFL mould, isn't he? Like yeah. where you have to have that lower body power to get himself out and, and the speed as well yeah. that he showed. Well, Question, going forward, he's going to have to play the wing or centre because, you know, he's got Tedesco oh. kind of taking over fullback and owning that spot yeah. for the next few years. So what? where do you think kind of his immediate future is? Oh, geez, you'd love to, love to see him in the centres, wouldn't you? Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that in 10 uh, years' time. I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to touch the ball more in an yeah, attacking true. position. And just these days, centres really don't get that, you know, kind of really yeah, in that and, way. And probably, um, origin, he, he must be in the mix, you know. You'd think he'd probably make his debut on the wing you know, for origin. But that's interesting what you say about Gulagong. A little bit in the mould of uh, Emilio Estevez, Jake. Kelly <laughs> uh, Sheen's son. You know, I wanted to... Wanted to do it uh, on his own. That's that's great. Good on you, Latrell. I love that. 
That's true. Um, and I've got a zero nomination. Oh, I'm starting to. I want to back myself out of this because. No, no, no. Go, go for it. If not, <laughs> I'll, I'll, if, if not, I'll put myself out there. Okay, I was going to nominate the decision um, to announce Conrad Harrell and David Noah Falula in uh, the RLPA um, team, of team, of, team of champions. But you, you know what? I reckon. I reckon. That looked like a fun night on um, Tuesday night. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the only reason why. James and I actually canvassed this, this issue very thoroughly. And we figured out that, you know, um, uh, you know, because these awards are voted on by the players, yeah. it, it got to be uh, somewhat unusual. It, you know, that team of the year, a lot of the names that you saw, it, it actually, like, so let's go, even, go back further a step. It started with me complaining that how is the player of the year coming from the 15th best side in the comp? I didn't quite, you know, kind of, you know, kind of put it. But James Tedesco is a very good player. I won't kind of, I won't argue that point. But then when I saw the kind of the team of the year and to see that Conrad Harrell and David Nafoaluma were kind of also uh, also part of it, it got me to thinking that, um, you know, in our line of work, uh, you often come across, you know, some current players or ex-players like getting in our faces and saying to us, you know, sports writers, like you guys don't know. It's the players who know. And whenever I see these things when players vote on something and they vote on a team of the year, they vote on MVP or so forth, and they make selections like this, it proves to me one thing. The players don't always know, and sometimes the players have no idea. So, you know, uh, that just, yeah. I really do think the, the way Conrad Harrell kind of got in this side is that everybody at the New Zealand Warriors basically conspired, you know, in the dressing room and said, let's, let's, let's vote for Connie. Like, you know, he was a good bloke, you know. He's at the Titans now, but, you know, I don't care. Let's, let's, let's get him in the side. So, you know, that's... <laughs> that said, the rest of the side is terrific, you know. Uh, you know, kind of... F- f- uh, congratulations to everybody who made the RFLPA's team of the year. And if that happened, then that's cool. It's their awards. <laughs> They're wearing sneakers with suits. I thought, good on you. This is obviously the let your hair down kind of Dally M's before the Dally M's, isn't it? Like, oh, it is. well. This is the Dally M's that they actually wanted to go to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tedesco, I mean, um, the MVP, um, the, the best player, like, uh, that was, I thought that was really cool. Um, huge fan of Cameron Smith, but uh, good on you, Teddy. Um, do you think uh, Cameron Smith's persona among New South Wales players and his his uh, his uh, persona on the field and and relationship with referees got 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 in the way of Cam. I think it's more. I think James's assessment was more correct, which is to say, because he's so high up in the uh, the association now, it was kind of a bad look. Like you know, player's player yeah. turns out to be himself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> give myself a prize day. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. Um, I'm waiting for the year that the team of the year turns out to be full of guys, just looking at it now, uh, who are changing clubs over the off-season. Because everyone's new club votes for... Because I don't think when... I'm not not entirely sure this is the case, but I know this is the way it works in the AFL. You can't vote for your own teammate. You've got to vote for somebody. You've got to vote for, for, for guys on other teams. So if I, just you know, offhand looking at it here, you know, Dan Gagai, everybody in Souths voted for him. Aaron Woods, probably everybody in Canterbury voted for him. You know? So you know, Tedesco, everyone from the Roosters. So yeah, I think this could be a thing where if you're, if you're changing sides, your new club just want, wants to get on your good side. So you know, this kind of boosts you up to the RLPA team of the year. Man, that's a fantastic <laughs> theory. I love that. <laughs> but... Yeah, and it's not going to hurt you because your current team can't vote for you. No, that's right. No, somebody has to. Yeah, yeah. No, I just thought that was yeah, that was um, 
it was something that was going to bag, but the more I thought about it, the, uh, the, the, the less I wanted to. So, yeah. And uh, have you got any zero nominations, Anthony? What do you reckon? Zero. You don't want to bag anyone? Wait. I'm normally good for a bagging. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to I'll give it to Flanagan for his his list uh, production, the the laundry list, um, as as Jeff put it. Uh, I thought that was just ridiculous, considering the rub of the green uh, the Sharks have had. And it goes back to my point that I have raised um, with with you, James, uh, on the earlier podcasts, was that um, even after winning a, a, a premiership. The Sharks have somehow maintained to keep their, their chip on their shoulder. Um, chip is, is gone. The Premiers, um, you know, there's no chip on the shoulder anymore, guys. Um, so they're, they're my zero for the week. Oh, yeah, fair enough. That, that'd be very ego-damaging, wouldn't it, for them? They're a really... They're a tough side, that that, that unit. That'd, that'd be um, yeah. so destructive for the Sharks to have lost that game. Just yeah. it took a, it took Paul Gallon a long time to walk off that field. <laughs> he yeah. was he was just shattered to see that, yeah, because he, he really wanted that back to back. It would have it would have stuck it up a lot of people to see the Sharks win two in a row, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll kick along and uh, have a look at um, finals week two. Um, first game is the Broncos and the Panthers at Suncorp, uh, seven fifty five. Uh, on Friday night, um, the winner of this match faces Melbourne Storm uh, the following Friday on the 22nd. Um, I, as a as a Penrith aficionado, I'm, I'm not confident at all uh, in, in in the Panthers here. I'd, um, I just think th- this is probably going to be the biggest game of this team's uh, lives. Like, you know, that this is the exact same game that they got knocked out of last year and. Um, that was down in Canberra, and this this team can get beaten by an occasion, uh, and and as we as we know, Brisbane's a a big occasion side. So I I, I can see the Broncos winning by a fair bit here. I know that's really pessimistic from a fan, but um, that, that's my prediction. I think. What do you reckon, Jeff? I think I certainly think Penrith has a chance. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think there are real worries with with Brisbane, you know, in in the physicality stakes. I think that was kind of raised um, after kind of the, the the Roosters match. You know, the player from the front row, kind of the the, the I don't want to use the word softness, but yeah, I, I have just used the word softness. I guess <laughs> you know, in in you know, in, 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 the Milford Marshall kind of half pairing uh, defensively, um, it might be less of an issue against Penrith, who. I wouldn't call kind of a very physical kind of football side. And I think Brisbane will come out kind of with a lot of energy which at home, which I think, you know, will kind of mask over kind of any lack of, you know, kind of any kind of like kind of muscle and grit that, that they might, uh, defici- any deficiency they have there. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I would kind of, I don't think they're going to kind of, kind of comprehensively beat them, but uh, I'd kind of, I'd be surprised if they don't, you know, come out the other end of this and, I guess you know they've kind of done the thing which they're probably trying to avoid from with last week, which you, you don't really want Melbourne in the prelim. You don't want to have to go down there for the for the prelim. So, uh, yeah. um, but you know, one week at a time. What's your take, yeah. Anthony? What's your prediction? Well, mate, here I was before kickoff, sitting there. Um, this is last week, Panthers and Manly, uh, with my little brother and my 19-year-old nephew. Uh, in our manly jerseys, and we're talking about um, how, how have we're you converted get... all your your family, Brand? <laughs> <laughs> we're all 
And how do, how do you know? Is it just you, you don't want to change Adam Marone? Is it just a lazy, laziness thing up there? I've got no choice. My, my, our grandfather, uh, Josh, my nephew's great grandfather, was was there for the first ever Manly game. I mean, you've got no choice, mate. Try being a kid growing up in Queensland, going for Manly, starting school in 1988 when the Brisbane Broncos came in and going for Manly. I mean, it was... Just maybe they thought you were the biggest Paul Vorton fans of all time or something like that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, but getting back... Anyhow, sorry, yes. Sorry, I interrupted you, but you know. (laughs) Fair question. Um, Here we are sitting in our Manly jerseys, cracking our third or fourth beer and uh, talking about how we're going to get down to Suncorp Stadium, who was going to drive. I think we were trying to coerce my 19-year-old nephew into driving. Um, and, and look, we lost, and, and the Panthers played sensationally. Um, and I think that, that that win is going to fill them, with, uh, fill them with a lot of confidence. They've got nothing to lose, and they've got a great side. They've got a tough side. I think you raised a good point there, Jeff. Their engine room um, can dominate Brisbane. Um mm-hmm. I think if they can get over the top of them there, their outside backs are devastating. Um, they haven't hit their straps yet, really, Penrith. And, um, you know, I think this that loss to Manly definitely did something. Uh, they came out a different side, and I think they're going to really trouble Brisbane. I can honestly see them getting rid of Brisbane. Um, there's no Darius Boyd. Hopefully Boyd uh, rocks up with a smile and tells his um, teammates they can, uh, they can do him. it. <laughs> Fires them up a little bit. Um, no sulking this week. Yeah, but yeah, that's something to look out for, everybody. See uh, Darius's body language in the sheds before kickoff. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Panthers can do it. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be uh, forty thousand screaming Broncos fans there, and they've got a great record. Um, but I think the Panthers can do it. I, I really do. They're, they're a quality side across the park, um, especially led by. Um, Campbell, Gillard, and um, and Taumo—they've been absolutely sensational. You got Wallace there at hooker. Um, the back rowers are fantastic. Mansour on the wing, Peachy. Um, I mean, this is a really good side, and they're an exciting side. And their defence is up to it. Brisbane have their defence hasn't been great, and um, you know I, I think the Panthers are a really good chance here. Wow. See, see how jaded I am. I can't yeah. enjoy yeah. the lead up to this game, which oh, yeah. is absolutely <laughs> massive. It's awesome. Yeah. Penrith are written off in round eight and nine. That I, I put a red pen through them. I thought they got nothing. To be and fair, James, you know, you, you know, during the, you know the premiership ceremony, you know, when you know, you know, the you know the cup would be going to Penrith, you'd be saying, "Oh shit, what, what about next year?" <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, That's just I'd, you, man. I'd be thinking they haven't handed it over yet. <laughs> A bird will come and take it off <laughs> before it gets into their hands. I was looking at the Brisbane side. I think Anthony Milford really needs to step up. I think he's been mm. really quiet. He needs to take control of this match. Um, Benji Marshall was he, he put in a you know C minus performance. He, he got, I give him a pass mark last week against the Roosters. Some of his kicks were, were really good. Some of his play was just, uh, you know, what we've come to expect from Benji later in his career. Um, they need to step up, um, especially um, Anthony Milford, like I said. He can turn this game on its head. If he turns up to play, um, I think that's going to be uh, the, the difference, guys. Oh, terrific, terrific. And uh, the next game is uh, uh, Parramatta in North Queensland on Saturday night, 7.40. Um, the winner uh, faces the Roosters um, at Allianz Stadium next Saturday night. Um, my, I'm, I'm going the Cowboys here. I, I just think that the steel that they showed last week um, mm. in that pressure cooker environment, 
you know, like, like we wouldn't understand because we're only New South Welshmen, or I am. You're, you're you know, I'm a not bit of everything, that. aren't you? Yeah. Not even that. You know? <laughs> it's de- that, <laughs> that unit came together so well, and there's no reason why it can't do it again. And, and I don't want to rain on Paris Parade. Like, I'd, I'd love seeing Parramatta do well. It's great for the game. They're a Westy side. The, the, the more success that the, the um, Western Suburbs teams can have, the better. But, oh, they, they really impressed. Um, Scott Bolton in particular... He's a he's a great player. So underrated, and he was on fire again. And uh, I think they're going to uh, beat Parramatta. What do you guys reckon, Jeff? No, I'm conventional on this one. I think the Eels. Right. I think the Eels are going to. I get a, this has the feel to me of a match where the Eels are going to come out and really th- come out really firing the first 20 minutes. They're going to throw a hell of a lot at them, uh, physical, you know, kind of a lot of energy. Uh, yeah, with a big crowd kind of in ANZ behind them. I, I fully true. anticipate this might be the biggest crowd we'll see at ANZ uh, yeah, uh, up to this point in the season. Um, the uh, the question will be, can can the Cowboys, if the Cowboys can just hang around long enough, if, if maybe kind of that, that uh, sustained period in that first 20 minutes doesn't kind of result in points for, for the Eels, maybe, maybe it sets up a match which is tight enough for anybody to win and anybody else, meaning North Queensland, can in the in the later stages. That's that's very possible. Um, yep. But yeah, it's hard not to hard not to be impressed. But I've been a Paris skeptic all year. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, the num- the underlying numbers just didn't look good. I just yeah, it never just kind of, kind of wasn't right for me. But um, how they did against Melbourne was was really quite impressive. They kind of turned me around. The the, the only thing might be is that the momentum now, yeah, the narrative momentum now is is, is has gone all the other way. It seems like there's a, a bit of a bandwagon effect for for the uh, coming for the Eels. And you know, let's face it, they just lost. Yeah, you know, they only lost one game in the finals. You know, that that really is much of a bandwagon at all. If they were to kind of lose this week, you know, I think everyone would be kind of left scratching their heads. But um, yeah, um, uh, you know. I, I guess I can't beat the beat the idea that they're they're bringing that in, and by the same token, you know, North Queensland the the, the first time they led in that match was what minute eighty five, eighty six, <laughs> eighty seven, eighty nine, ninety. So, yeah, but yeah, uh, again, you can't doubt as James says, you you can't really doubt you can't doubt the the resilience. You can't. That, that's a great point you make, and I just get the feeling the Cowboys are hanging on by a thread. Mm. I just get the feeling that they've They've probably overachieved. Uh, I really hate that word, especially when it comes to football. But without Jonathan Thurston there, they've they've kind of overachieved. I mean, how can they do it without JT? I just can't see them going on to win this competition without Jonathan Thurston. I might be wrong. Um, But I think the Eels will definitely get over the top of the Cowboys. I think they'll do it quite easily. Uh, I think the Cowboys will show a lot of fight, but I just get the feeling they're on their last legs. It's been a long season. Uh, they're hurting. Uh, it was an absolutely uh, triumphant, triumphant effort against the Sharks, but I think that's that 90-minute game, uh, semi-final football, would have really taken its toll. Uh, a lot of their guys are, you know, the engine room skinny as it is, um, and, and I think, yeah, I think they're going to be really tired for this one, similar to last year when they ran out and lost to the Sharks um, in the preliminary final. They just got blown off the park, so. I think it's been a long year for them. Um, I'll be I'll be barracking for the Cowboys for sure. Um, I've got a real soft spot for them, um, but I just can't see them getting over the Eels. I think it's the Eels. It's 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 their time for a bit of a run. Um, it's been a long time. They'll have a great 
contingent, being a sudden death uh, game. They'll have a great contingent of, uh, of fans. Um, you know, it's been 31 years. Um, they're fired up. Corey Norman's played some good footy. Um, they've got a lot of lot of um, top quality players. So I think that they're going to um, they're going to do this one pretty easily, guys. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, alrighty. I'll uh, we'll see how that one how that one goes next week. Um, all right, so we'll move on to our World Cup countdown, and we thought we have been running through the various nations that are going to take part, but uh, this week um, I thought we'd have a look at uh, at the uh, official tournament guide that we're putting together, Jeff, and um, it's going to be it's, it's it's a work in progress at the moment, but it's going to be something that's uh, <laughs> that's a way to call it. that's something to call it work in progress. <laughs> it's going to have every. I've spent, I've spent the day putting together the historical statistics from the from the World Cup. So James, ask me anything that happened in like 1957. I can tell you. <laughs> oh, terrific. <laughs> um, it's got everything. It's going to be um, absolutely comprehensive preview, and um, yeah, we're really excited about it, aren't we? So I'll yeah. be excited when I'm done. With it. <laughs> when it's finished. It's going on too, guys. There's been a great response online. Uh, that's because you've got games up there. We don't have it here in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I jest, I jest. It's uh, yeah. It. Um, I think it's one of those things that yeah, it's hard to kind of focus the mind on when you, you know you've got kind of finals kind of right in front of you. But um, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it, it is a good event. Like it is surprisingly. I think we we kind of underrated. I, I, I my my hope for it and just kind of like I've just spent the day with my head buried in kind of yeah the results of past World Cups. I would like to see kind of someone kind of stand up and challenge a the Australians and b the traditional powers of the league. I, I like I like seeing that. I like you know kind of you know I think it would be a great boon for um you know for for the game itself if we can kind of see more of this. Uh, Kind of flowering of uh, of the sport, kind of in other in, in other uh, areas, apart from where it's traditionally strong. Yeah, more more of it needs to be played for for sure. Mm. And um it, and and just a side event, um not necessarily directly involved with the World Cup, but the PM's thirteen was named during the week, and and they'll play PNG on September twenty three. Um, interesting interesting note about this team, because there are no sorry because um all the so-called Queensland-based teams are still involved in the semi-finals. This is basically a New South Wales team being coached by Mal Meninga, isn't it? It's a really, it's a real development-type team, and and good and, and good on everyone who's made it. Yeah, as far yeah, as I, I can see, it's just eyeballing it: Gagai, uh, Val Holmes, Josh Papali. That's it. It's the only three Queenslanders, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's a great opportunity for these guys. Um, Interestingly, Daly Cherry Evans was uh, selected, was going to be selected at 5'8". I don't know if you guys know this. He was going to be selected at 5'8", but he's expecting, uh, his wife's expecting their third child uh, in the next fortnight, so he's not going to go. Um, uh, so Jack Bird's been brought in. Um, yeah, um, you know, what do you guys think about that? Do you think you should go and represent your country, or is he, uh, is re- would that have been a bit of an avenue for Cherry Evans to get back in, or is this sort of a, not a throwaway game, but... More for the um, the the, un, the untested. Jeez, I like your thinking because uh, yeah, Mal Meninga in charge. I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. A <laughs> birth of a of a kid versus um, uh, your, your role in a traditional but really non-essential team. Uh, I don't know. Um, I always yeah. like to think that it, the Prime Minister himself chose this team. So, you know, <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull is there sitting late at night in his, in his office thinking, Absolutely. you know, 
who do I who do I want? Who do I who do I? You know, and he's just writing writing guys down. That's a great. The guy, the guy who's affecting me right now is Paul Vaughan. Does that is, does that mean Paul Vaughan is in the frame for the for the kangaroos? Because if so, man, I think man Paul Vaughan. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that might might be the case. But um, you know, it'll, he'll be, he's an interesting case. Well, he's one of the cases I'm following because yeah, he will play for Italy if um, if you know he's yeah. not picked for Australia. So yeah, and I, I can't help but notice there's a few names there that uh, have uh, have kind of um, dual eligibility. So that's kind of the thing dominating my mind. But you know, but back to you know, I, I know I, I jest of course, but um, you know, because plainly if. Oh, no, they're still in the finals, aren't they? I was about to say, if, if, if old Malx was picking this side, we'd see quite a few more kind of roosters in it. But, um, yeah, of course he can't do that. Maybe yeah. that's why he's disappointed. Maybe he just kind of handed the whole thing off now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. And there's um, a host of players on, on debut for this team. We've got Holmes, uh, Bird, uh, Coruscant, and Fafida. Walker and, and, and Vaughan, as you say. So it is... Debut for the Prime Minister's 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, so it's a typical rugby league thing where it goes backwards. <laughs> so you make your international <laughs> debut before... You can play for your country before your state and you, for your Prime Minister or for the other country that, you know, your grandfather was from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, rugby league, wonderful. Yeah. Good looking. I, I really like this side. Yeah, it should be a good game too. And this side be- could win the World Cup. It is a good side. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good for the um, PNG locals to give that uh, oil search national football stadium a, a real a real run. Yeah, that was imp- that's very impressive, wasn't it? The, yeah, uh, it's an impressive building. Um, yeah, and it's it's a it's a good thing to see for you know Papua because you know that, that it's such a rugby league loving nation that um, you yeah. know it's. Uh, I think it'll be a, it's a really great thing. I mean, really great thing for you know the game to kind of go there and. Um, and yeah, for them to kind of be treated uh, treated to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, all righty. So through the week, we threw open the question, um, which uh, to our Twitter uh, people out there, which rugby league player did you meet when you were a kid? Um, you want to kick off, Anthony? Who sticks in your mind, mate? Mate, I've been lucky. Um, I've met I met a lot. I think that's what what inspired me to get into um, sport journalism. Um, but one that really sticks out. I've got a um, actually got a framed photo of it sitting next to me here in my study. Um, is of, of me and, and Steve Menzies um, at Manly. I used to surprise, surprise. I uh, I used to uh, used to dad used to take us down after we moved to Queensland one game a year, and this is going back, I think like '95 or '96 in the heyday. I might have been like twelve. Um, and there's a really great photo of me and uh, in my manly jersey in the change rooms. I sit there. I'm sitting there in the middle of Beaver and uh, and the coach at the time. So uh, that was pretty good. Um, so Beaver Menzies, that was my um, my hero. It was Bob Fulton. Sorry, me Bob Fulton. Me. Yeah, he's forgettable. <laughs> and they and uh, Beaver's got his shirt off, which is. Um, but does he have the headgear on? He he, uh, he didn't have the headgear. Well, on, then it's not Steve Menzies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you that. It, it, it's, I've got the. I'm 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 actually cradling the headgear in my young crutch. There's um, there's the guy. There's the guy. Jeez, that's the juicy stuff. But yeah, Beaver Menzies. Another one I met was Wendell Saylor. Oh, yeah. um, when he was bursting onto the scene, he did a um at, at our local supermarket here on the Sunshine Coast. He was there um, signing autographs. He was great, and I bumped into Cliffy Lyons. I was about 16 or 17 at this stage, uh, again on holiday in Manly, uh, at the Manly Wharf. He was getting on a uh, 
on, on one of the ferries. And uh, by that stage, I'd kind of forgotten that I was kind of looked like sort of a semi-grown adult. And I just kept staring at him in awe, and he looked at me like, what are you looking at, man? And actually, the same thing happened with Mel Meninga. Um, I was about 19, and he was my favorite player just about growing up. And we were at a resort, and uh, he was there with all his, all his mates, and I was at the bar. So I was old enough to drink, and I just was gazing at Mal, and he gave me a look like, you better stop looking at me, young man. <laughs> so, I was wigging him out. Um, gorgeous man, though. Love Mal. Okay, we better leave Anthony alone now. He's, uh... <laughs> what about yeah, you, mate? You, you, yours wasn't a rugby league. No, I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. So, Fair you enough. Know, it's, I, I really, I'm actually trying to remember who the first kind of rugby league player ever I ever met was. And I, I would have probably been an, an, an adult by the time I was probably working. What about as sports? A sports athlete, famous oh, athlete. You know, it's... This is not interesting. So okay, I, all right. so, so I would, I'd kind of move it along. I mean, I, I, <laughs> let, let, let me let, let me try and come up with an answer. I will. Let me, I will. Let me, let me, you know, kind of search my mind. I, I probably do have a better answer than this. Um, Fair enough. But uh, yeah, sorry. Let me okay. let me get back to because I'm trying to think, and I, I, everything that comes up in my mind is guys from every other sport but rugby league. So yeah, that's, yeah. and I, I do want to kind of give a proper answer for our audience out there. Mine would be. Um, Canberra Raiders came to Penrith uh, once, and um, it was '93 or '94. And um, oh, Ma- I know who it is. Sorry, uh, keep going. Yeah. Ma- Mal Meninga. I got a good was, answer for you. Okay, we'll get, get get back to you. Now, Mal Meninga was in his prime. You know, he was the legend, superstar Raider. And um, the, the Raiders made this mistake of uh, opening up not the change rooms but the back of the players' tunnel, and Canberra just flogged Penrith. But it was I must I must have been one of at least 200 Penrith fans lining up to get Mal Meninga's autograph and I didn't have anything for him to sign and so Dad pulled out a, um, a TAFE business card Dad used to be a, a TAFE teacher and uh, he said get, get him to sign that so at home I've still got this TAFE business card with Mal Meninga's signature on the back awesome <laughs> and it's still really cool yeah, so uh, that, that's my sad um, story <laughs> Okay, go, Jeff. Okay, now I think I think I've built this up unduly. I know, but um, but you know, as I said, didn't grow up in rugby league territory, so and yeah, didn't even kind of move to rugby league territory until I was kind of going to university. Uh, but I, I would wager the first rugby league, you know, kind of top, first grade player I ever met in the flesh was Paul Osborne. Really? Yeah, the, the the hero of the the accidental hero of the what was it ninety three uh, grand final ninety four th- of ninety four grand final. Which one did the Raiders win? Uh, it was uh, it's ninety three, isn't 91? it? Sorry, is it ninety ninety? No, no, it was ninety. It was early ninety four, wasn't it? Um, no, ninety three or ninety four. Anyway, but you know, however, how, how, yeah, however it is, um, yeah, he came on uh, in place of John Lomax, who was uh, was suspended for the grand final that year. Scored a couple of tries. Earned, you know, kind of a bit of a cult status from that, and 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 in doing so, got him got himself elected to the local territory assembly in in the ACT. So I was actually there as a working journalist covering that uh, that parliament when uh, when I met him. Um, he once explained the expression "road to Damascus" to me. So you know, like you know, because you know, he, he himself is a kind of a devout guy, but um, obviously not in a rugby league capacity. But yes. That's my. That's my. That's the first kind of league I can ever claim to have actually yes. met up close in the flesh. So there's, there's, um, and I was exactly what twenty two years old at the time. So yeah. <laughs> twenty three, perhaps. So you know, kid, kid, maybe uh, a loose definition of kid, but uh, that, that's mine. How deprived you were twenty two years before you met 
a rugby league person. I, you know, I was thinking about it, and I, I kept on thinking, geez, I met that guy, union guy, I met that guy, you know, AFL player, I met this other guy. So, I, yeah, it was, um, I don't know what it was, just n- not, in a, not in a, enough of a league orbit. <laughs> well, do you want me to um, run through the, the list of uh, people who our um, yes, indeed. Twitter followers mentioned? Yep. Um, okay, so Daniel Monday um, happened to run in the, into Sturlo on my birthday. Was the happiest day of my life up to then. What I wonder what birthday that was. <laughs> <laughs> His last one. <laughs> uh, Michael, um, first ever player I met as a young kid was Les Kiss. Oh yes, for some reason. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting he was getting defence coaching or something. I don't know. Yeah, is he still in union? Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was I mean, for for quite a while. Um, Luke Buckmaster. This is going way back. Former Penrith coach Len Stacker uh, presented me with the under-13s most improved trophy at Colo Junior Rugby League Football Club presentation barbecue in around 1982. Golden fan for life. That's the fan for life type experience. <laughs> uh, Steel Sports, big fan of this show. Uh, Dallas, I'm assuming he, he means Donnelly, at Western Suburbs Police Boys Club. Um, Prof M Davis... The ARLC commissioner who likes to stalk this program. <laughs> uh, Alan Cairn and Tony Carroll. They went to Beanley High with my brother and lived in Eagleby, where all the cool kids grew up. Is that true, Anthony? Do all cool kids grow up in Beanley, Eagleby? Uh, no, I doubt that very much. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's a long way from the beach down there, but um, yeah. I, I dare say they would have been the cool kids. They would have been the cool kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got to meet Alan Cannon and Tony Carroll, sure, surely. <laughs> a couple of cats right there. Yep. Phil Lutton. Um, I met Julian O'Neill and Mark Hone when they signed autographs from the back of a ute in the car park of Goldfields Plaza in Gympie. And I really want to know what Julian O'Neill did next. <laughs> <laughs> he behaved himself. <laughs> he yeah, gave I don't believe that, but you know, anyhow. <laughs> Here you go, um, Anthony. Mike Eden chipped in. Kevin Juney and Jack Gibson. With Uncle Harry at Roosters training in 1967, uh, Kevin gave me his jersey. Wow. So there you go. Oh, that's awesome! Great story. <laughs> yeah, like even the uh, Manly Legend, uh, Joe um, Henderson Gill at Redfern Oval after another scintillating performance from the legendary Rabbitoh. This bloke, Joe, his name's Joe Hedger. He has a massive man crush on Henderson Gill. <laughs> He mentions him whenever he can on social media, and yeah, <laughs> he loves him. He's a, yeah. um, now you're pointing at something. Am I, gonna, am I about to read something funny or what? Yeah. this one? Have you read, have you read it? That's no. that fantastic. Listen to this, Anthony. Um, Paul Paul Michael Craig says Wally Lewis told me to piss off at the <laughs> at the Sydney Football Stadium. <laughs> I was laughing for a reason when I was eleven. <laughs> he still <laughs> he says he's still seeking therapy. He, he says, I got excited and ran up to him to ask for his autograph, but I didn't see the line-up. Worst thing is, I did get in line and got his signature. So, so he's told him to piss off and line up. Can you imagine how scared you would have been when you got there and eventually Wally Lewis says, oh, you're that kid. Like, <laughs> I know Wally just did it at Rapport nothing, just piss off. You know? You're a New South Welshman. Yeah, piss off. Terrible. That's that. That's a doozy. I, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. Um, oh, Wally. You know, his his chopper was probably late, even in those days, to pick him up. You know, he's probably a little bit upset. <laughs> you can just taste the Brisbane hatred in his voice, can't you? 
<laughs> Dave Ray says, um, as a little kid sitting on the sideline at Hawker Oval in 1981, um, he was next to Alan Neal and Terry Lamb. Uh, this was at a West versus North Canberra Bears trial game. Don't you love how specific and grassroots a lot of these answers are? They're very... I've met this guy at a supermarket or something like that. It's just so... It's Yeah, it's... um. It's very grassroots. And uh, finally, where the heart is, as in like heart, <clears throat> um, he didn't meet any. Um, he wasn't around like heart. N- no, that's <laughs> right. He, he sent us a picture on, um, on social media. I should retweet it or something. Although he did get to meet some random Balmain Reserve grade President's Cup players. He, he has a... This po- <laughs> it's, uh, where the heart is has a Polaroid of um, him with a bunch of Balmain players, but he doesn't know who any of them are. Um, but he does think one guy looks like Evan Cochran. <laughs> and, I, and I googled Evan Cochran, and uh, he played 32 games, I think, um, over four or five years. And yeah, so, so he's got a good eye if he thinks he he can spot Evan Cochran, doesn't he? <laughs> That's, yeah. a guy, that's, that's a guy who needs an intro. Like, we should, we should try and arrange for him to meet with, you know, like, like make a wish style kind of uh, arrangement. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so thanks everyone for um, contributing there. We'll ask another uh, fun question next week. Um, that's about all we've got time for. Um, uh, our, as I said, our October 2017 edition is on sale, and uh, Jeff, um, we've got a, a story about game changes. Uh, who will shape the premiership race in there, haven't we? It's um, uh, yeah, yeah, all about body shape and it's about positions. We positions, were, we, we, yeah. we're looking at, um, and this is across AFL for you know those other kind of you know code, the by code curious whatever you want to call them. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking at positionality in modern football and how it's changed. And um, in in the rugby league context, Matt Cleary um, did a terrific job looking at kind of um, how. Yeah, those traditional kind of league positions don't really make sense <laughs> anymore as how they apply to the to the you know, to the on the on a modern kind of NRL field. Like you know, what is a lock? Like what's the difference between a lock and a, and a second row or even a, even a prop these days? Yeah, barely barely no difference at all. Um, but um, took a look at how kind of um, you know kind of in you know, clubs these days recruit to 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 body shape. Uh, how kind of teams are really organized you know, in a positional sense along where you kind of defend and that might have no relation whatsoever to the number you wear in your back or the, the, the position you supposedly line up next to in the, in the, in the game program. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. It really speaks to how kind of uh, you know, the, the game kind of has, uh, uh, has evolved. And um, there's one line from, uh, from the story that uh, you know, kind of really stuck with me. And, um, it, uh, you know, and it kind of, this kind of, tie, kind of ties up very neatly our discussions today uh, of what kind of, um, uh, particularly North Queensland and Jason Tamalolo, they said that uh, rugby league teams these days are looking for kind of four halves and 13 Jason Tamalolos. And that's mm. basically how you want to build a, a, an NRL side these days. Oh, terrific. Yeah, no, it's a re- really well-written analytical piece and uh, you should all um, buy our new edition and, uh, and uh, eat it up. Um, and just before we go, Anthony... Um, as far as the website goes, what's what's getting the most uh, attention uh, this week, mate? Mate, um, today's been been an interesting day so far. Um, two assistant coaches at Manly involved in a punch up. Yes. 
at the rocks last night. Uh, there's been a police uh, investigation been made, a complaint made to the police. Uh, this is very, very, very interesting. Was the complaint uh, Mel- that the police not doing their job well enough? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's an actually there's an investigation about the investigation. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be interesting to see the aftermath of that. But um, yeah, no, this is this is great. I'm just waiting to see uh, what Trent Barrett has to say about this. He wasn't involved. It was two assistants, uh, and it wasn't John Cartwright either. Um, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Also, there's some speculation. Um, I'm sure you've heard of this as well. Again, about Manly, and this is just—I'm not saying it's a, uh, mentioning Manly just because I'm a fan. These are actually trending. Um, that that uh, Matty Moylan um, may uh, go over to Manly if he leaves. Yeah, that's all we got time for, right? Okay, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Far yeah. out. Yeah. So, so that should be uh, that's gaining some steam. Um, apparently, he's uh, wants to be by the beach uh, over in God's country. So there you go, mate. Uh, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It, w- it wouldn't be by the wouldn't be by the beach, <laughs> Penrith or Manly. <laughs> and and um, Manly have got a spare one point two million in their cap, right? Because of the retirements of Brett Stewart and Steve Maddai, they've got over a million bucks to spend. So they got some dough. Okay, yeah, so, and, and that's why you're not too cut about that loss last <laughs> week, because you're going to get us in the end, don't you? <laughs> anyway, all right, any parting words, Jeff? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we better get back to work. Um, next week we'll be uh, back to uh, discuss week three, um, very dramatic week three uh, coming up. All right, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. 